This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to the Must Listen To Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show and all of Acadia in a different time slot this week. And it's only for one hour Hour. Anything goes. It is the fastest hour all of sports talk. It is an under the dome, as I put it, hyper edition. If you remember playing Super Street Fighter 2, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the difference between turbo and hyper. And this one is going to be a hyper speed edition. We got our two regular guys aboard the program. 1015, a quick conversation with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. More about the CFP, but I want to know what bowl game has intrigued him, which bowl game he's enjoyed the most, because it's been a relatively like like blasé bowl season, for the most part at least. I think we can definitely agree with certain aspects of it. It's been good. Other parts, it's been bad. And then at 10.30, of course, we'll talk with our guy Steve Lassen, uh, excuse me, Ross Jackson, of All Saints Considered and Locked on Saints podcast. We'll have already talked to Steve Lassen. We'll talk to Ross Jackson, get a preview of the Saints. Panthers matchup week 17. I'll look ahead to where they could be in the playoffs. And also we'll talk about what's caused all this with Antonio Brown and his diva-ness. And we're going to talk to him about that and a whole lot more. So make sure you're listening for the fastest hour in all of sports talk. And of course, without a doubt, I think we can all agree that it is time to kind of start diving into it all. And we're talking about LSU Oklahoma this afternoon. And that's a big reason why we're only one hour today because RP3 will be taking the hot tag from 10 to 1. You hear me right? Three full hours of RP3 guest galore live from the beautiful city of Atlanta. And I can't wait for that, along with just a whole lot more. There's going to be a lot of great things going on, but of course, it's Saturday. That means it's time to get you an idea of what's on tap this weekend. And it's going to be a very special edition. So I got some special music just for the occasion. And without a doubt, it is time to look ahead to this weekend. And we start things off with a glance at the big games today. It's a college football playoff semifinal. If you don't know about it, you've been loving it under the rock. And trust me, this is going to be a fantastic game between the LSU Tigers and the Oklahoma Sooners. Going to start things off 3 o'clock. Before that, you got a couple decent bowl games, to say the least. This is definitely bowl season. And hopefully, you've been enjoying it so far. I know it definitely, even the Cheez-It Bowl was a little, like, underwhelming. I thought that would have probably been... The most entertaining game, mind you. Definitely helped matters. You have Pat McAfee and crew getting it done. But today, you got starting things off the Camping World Bowl. 
between Notre Dame and Iowa State, Penn State, Memphis, and the Cotton Bowl coming up as well at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. And a whole lot of other great bowl games. I think without a doubt, we got to say the college football playoff semifinal takes center stage tonight with LSU Oklahoma, Ohio State Clemson. Which game has more intrigue for me? Obviously, LSU Oklahoma is at the top of that list. But at the end of the day, that Fiesta Bowl game holds a lot of weight, and I can't wait to see what happens when these two teams face off. Ohio State Clemson, which team is going to give, which team is going to blink first? Because I think that's going to determine who wins this ball game. LSU Oklahoma, to me, I think the first team to put put up 40 points wins this ball game. First to 40 wins. This could very well be a shooter. This could be a 60-minute Broadway. This could be a game that could possibly go to overtime. I hope not. But I think there's every chance for LSU to get this big win and head back to the college football playoff national championship game for the first time since the 2012 national title game, which, of course, many people don't want to remember. But outside of that, there's a lot of other things going on as well. Of course, you got the NFL Week 17, and the NFL finally kind of is booking things the right way. And you have to admit that these matchups are at least a little bit intriguing when it comes to about two or three of them. The biggest one, obviously, is going to be Sunday Night Football, the main event, the, the piece de resistance on the 2019 regular season for the NFL. And that is 49ers Seahawks to determine who's going to have that number one seed. Of course, you're hoping upon hope if you're a Saints fan that the Lions can somehow pull off the upset of all upsets and beat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, dream for the winning lottery numbers, too, while you're at it. And then you got the Steelers-Ravens. That's going to be at least somewhat fun. The Steelers have to get a lot of help to get into the postseason, but it's still going to be a little bit entertaining. I think you can bring up the final game of the Raiders era of Oakland Raiders with the Raiders-Broncos game. Titans-Texans. An AFC South battle. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm not saying it's like really kind of blase, but you have to admit, they booked it right. A lot of these are in division matchups. Week 17. A lot of things are determined right now of who's going to win what, but guess what happens now? We're sitting here. I think that this is absolutely huge. We talk about the the landscape of the NFL to have it be a lot of divisional matchups in Week 17. It mean it makes these games mean a whole lot more because obviously, if it was let's say you have the San Francisco 49ers, a Week 17 matchup doesn't mean a damn thing, especially this year. You can wind up having a half your team sit Week 17, especially if you're the 49ers that probably still wind up winning. I mean the Ravens they're sitting all their guys, but I think that's going to be make that a lot more interesting of a ball game because the MVP of the league, Mark. Mark Jackson, Lamar Jackson, mixing up Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. Not a way to do things on a Saturday morning. But I have to say there's a lot of fun going on in the NFL this weekend. Saints-Panthers is definitely going to be a big highlight. And then, of course, you know, jumping ahead a little bit to the next several days. Because, of course, we've got other things going on in the world of sports. And college football dominates it all, especially with the New Year's Day Bowl games, even Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday just chock-a-block full of really quality bowl games. Kentucky, Virginia Tech is going to be a sleeper game, I think. I think you need to keep an eye on that. And then the one that's got my eye the most is going to be Florida-Virginia on December 30th, a Monday night at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock our time. 
in um, uh, the Orange Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. Florida, Virginia. What I saw from Bryce Perkins, I wouldn't be surprised if they give Florida a whole lot of hell. And I think we could see Virginia pull off an upset for the ages. And then, of course, January 1, I mean, you've got the Alabama-Michigan game. Auburn-Minnesota, which we'll have right here on 103.78, thanks to Sports USA's coverage of the college football bowl season. Appreciate them for doing that, by the way. Georgia, Baylor. Then you've got Burnt Oregon, Wisconsin. I January 1st is the day where you're just going to be glued to the tube. Not like maybe some of us were when it comes to the NBA on Christmas Day. Because I'll be honest, I probably watched maybe like 10 total minutes of the NBA on Christmas Day. It's because I didn't have a whole lot of like intrigue about it. I went to go see Star Wars Rise of Skywalker in lieu of watching a mid-afternoon game between the Bucks and the 76ers. I was just like, I'll pass on that. I'll move on from that. Should have stayed up a little bit later to watch the Pelicans game because I actually want to be in pretty darn good. Congrats to them. Two straight wins. Let's see if they can be like I'm a major league, make it three in a row. I've heard that's a winning streak, and it has happened before. What a great weekend, an extended weekend of that, because obviously maybe you have the week off again because, hey, it's the end of the year. You're getting ready to kind of start the new year off right. Start the new year off right with a whole lot of great football over the next four or five days. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk college football playoff bowl games with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. And now we're going to get a conversation going with our guy, Steve Lassen. Athlon Sports, it is finally college football playoff semifinal time after a couple weeks where things kind of were a little bit blase. Obviously, you had Army-Navy and then some mad bowl games last Saturday, but this Saturday... Things start to matter. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, Clint. Good morning. It's great to be talking with you. Hope you had a great holiday season. We've been on this long journey throughout the college football season. We're almost at our final destination with the the playoff today and the national championship on the 13th. So excited to see what happens today. I think we got two interesting matchups and and for different reasons. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight, but let's just take a step back. And I want to know, because you've probably watched damn near all the bowl games over the last couple days and weeks. So my question to you is this, Steve. Which bowl game has been like the, the most entertaining for you? Yeah, I thought the Hawaii Bowl was really fun. Um, Hawaii's high-powered offense against kind of the bigger uh, physical BYU defense was a fun matchup back and forth. And Hawaii ended up winning kind of late in the game after, uh, and then, of course, BYU went down and tried to score and threw an interception. So I think that one would be near the top of my list. 
I also thought, um, you know, watching Pitt in Eastern Michigan in the Quick Lane Bowl was a good one. Certainly did not end well for Eastern Michigan uh, with some, uh, you know, kind of antics of the quarterback punching the, the Pitt player. But uh, that was, there were, those were two of the better games so far. It is always interesting to think when we kind of sit down and look at bowl season before it gets going, I think we might have some close games. But it does seem like we, we're ending up more and more with more one-sided games. I'm not sure why, but it does seem like with a, kind of a blowout is kind of becoming uh, kind of a more of a, uh, I guess, annual thing here in bowl season. I'd agree. It definitely has started to become that route. Meanwhile, you got La Tech in Miami pretty much just laying a complete egg. I mean, that may have been the absolute worst bowl game I've seen in years between La Tech and Miami, where it was just 14 nothing, but it was 7 nothing for like 75% of that ball game. Yeah, that that game was definitely not definitely would not rank high on the list of best bowl games this season. Both of them, I mean, just a very anemic game when it came to offense. You know, certainly Miami didn't look like they had any interest in being there. You could tell that there were a couple players who had skipped and headed to the NFL draft and just kind of put the capper for Miami on a very disappointing season. Offensive issues, quarterback, offensive line, you name it. I think the big thing for Louisiana Tech, you're just getting to 10 victories and beating a Power 5 team and kind of protecting your home turf there uh, in Shreveport was a big deal. But you're right. I mean, that game was just very, uh, you know, from a very limited offensive standpoint, it was 7 to nothing. Then there was some turnovers and sloppy play. It got a little exciting in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, Louisiana Tech got the final touchdown. But certainly not one of the better bowl games that we've seen, but good for Louisiana Tech in getting that 10th victory. I'd, I'd say probably without a doubt, like one of the worst I've seen in recent memory. I think you've probably seen a lot more than I have in terms of bowl games over the years, but it definitely feels like that one was just a mess. But you brought up Miami. They fired their offensive coordinator, which made sense after everything that happened. But now when we sit here, it's like it, it feels like just like yesterday where we were talking about how Miami felt like they were going to be back building up the momentum they had in 16. And now look at where they're at now. They're, they're losing to La Tech. Where, where does Miami go from here? You know, not to mention not the, not only the loss to Louisiana Tech, but they also lost to SIU in November. So they they went zero and two against Conference USA this season, and just a very disappointing first year for Manny Diaz. And I think just kind of in the big picture, since Miami's always had good talent, but the question is why can't this program get back to where they were? You know, say in the early two thousands when they were in the mix to win the national championship kind of on an annual basis. And I think, first of all, it starts with the head coach. You know, they've changed coaches a couple times. They cycled through a couple guys that just haven't worked out. Al Golden, you know, for whatever reason, didn't work out there. But it starts there. They've had a lot of transition in the kind of administrative part of, uh, of Miami's program, then the head coach. And I also just think, too, you know, Miami, from a fan perspective, a little bit of a disadvantage playing, I think, at a pro stadium. I think they benefit – from a, an on-campus stadium, but in, in, in just in the big picture sense, where Miami goes from here, you know, I think you could look at Florida State and easily see this is where, if Manny Diaz does not get things turned around next year, it would not shock me at all if Miami changes head coaches. I was surprised Dan Enos did not work out. He had a good track record before he came to Miami, but certainly um, they've got to get the offense fixed because if they don't, probably a good chance that Manny Diaz doesn't make it to a third season. And that would be not ideal at all when you think about just how things are going for the 
for the for, I just I have to say right now the Miami Hurricanes it's an absolute mess right now. But now we'll flip it on over to what's causing all this, and without a doubt, everybody's looking forward to the college football playoff around here. I mean, that's a big reason why this shows from nine to ten instead of ten a.m. to noon because we're going to be following up with some live coverage from the ATL RP3, a stack lineup to say the least. But just looking at that LSU Oklahoma game, first things first, Steve, what stands out to you the most in this ball game? I think the thing that stands out to me most is on paper LSU is favored by almost two touchdowns and and maybe more in some places and rightfully so this is an LSU team that has you know dominated some of the best defenses in college football Auburn Florida Georgia Alabama and Joe Burrow and these receivers no pretty much no one has found the right formula to slow this team down certainly Auburn had some success but LSU also had some mistakes in that game, too. So I think the, the, the big question that I have in this game is, we, we know LSU is going to score points. What's Oklahoma's counterpunch? Is the defense good enough to slow down LSU, or is this a game where Jalen Hurts just takes things over and keeps it close into the second half? So a lot of fascinating matchups on, on tap today for this uh, big showdown in the Peach Bowl. And when you look over at the other side of that college football playoff semifinal, Ohio State clubs, and a lot of people are kind of counting out Ohio State. Some people are counting them out, largely because of the fact it's like Clemson and the national champs and the way they've performed and the way you saw Ohio State struggle against Wisconsin for much of the first half of the Big Ten title game. Is there actually some valid reasons why maybe Ohio State fans should be concerned about this one, or is this one going to be like way more competitive than some people think? I think this is one of the hardest games to pick of the bowl season. I think it's two very evenly matched teams. Um, not to mention, you know, it, this might be the most anticipated semifinal that we've had in the six years of a college football playoff. It, it could be a national championship game in a lot of other years. I think a couple things about this matchup, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I would worry about. I think Clemson has been a different team since the start of the season. They have flipped a switch since mid-October. They've beaten, you know, I think, their last six or seven opponents by 31 points or more. Ohio State's also dominated in that stretch, too. But Clemson does this every year. They seem to kind of have a slow start, maybe a hiccup here and there. But once that switch is flipped, uh, this is a different team, and they've reached that level. I also think, too, just how healthy is Justin Fields. We saw in the game against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, his knee injury limited his mobility. And if he can't move around in the pocket and make plays against what's going to be a pretty aggressive Clemson defense, that would concern me if I'm Ohio State. So I think you've seen this point spread about two or three points, and that makes a lot of sense to me because on paper this is two pretty evenly matched teams and I think could be the best game of the bowl season. I think the million-dollar question is now, Steve, which matchup do you want to see the most? And I'm going to give you three options here. I'm going to give you LSU-Ohio State, obviously the Joe Burrow-Ohio State storyline writes itself. LSU-Clemson, to be the best, you got to beat the best. I feel like that would be the best matchup from on paper. Or let's go with Oklahoma-Clemson. Which of those three would you much rather see in the college football playoff national title game? I would like to see LSU versus Clemson. I think that you just look at the the way that these two teams match up, Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow, also Brent Venables and that Clemson defense. What can they throw at Joe Burrow and LSU to try and slow down this offense? And I think for LSU, kind of that quest of 
you you want to be the national champion, you got to beat the best. And I'm fascinated to see today Clemson has been that different team. This is going to be the toughest challenge for them against Ohio State. So, you know, they're, they're riding a 28-29 game winning streak. If they keep winning, uh, they could, their winning streak could be in the 40s by next season. So this is a chance, I think, for LSU to kind of announce its presence on the national scene, knock off Clemson in the national championship game. So that would be my preferred matchup. Um, I don't think we could go wrong with LSU versus Ohio State and getting the Joe Burrow-Ohio State storylines either. I think those either one of those would be a great matchup for college football fans. I'd have to agree with you. And, Steve, thank you so much for coming on all season long. We're going to give you a little bit of a reprieve now that we're kind of nearing the end game. Maybe we'll have you on leading into the national title game, but I'll let you know about it. But, once again, appreciate you coming on all season long, Steve. We'll talk to you down the road. Hey, Clint, it sounds great. Thanks for having me on, and look forward to talking again real soon. All right, everybody, that was Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, the final time for the college football season. At least because of 2019. Maybe we'll have him on in 2020, closer to the national title game. We'll see. I mean, if the Saints are going to be in the playoffs and make a good run, I think we're going to have to bump them and try and keep this momentum rolling, and obviously we'll probably get somebody on from the opposing side. I know i got a guy with Clemson, so safe to say I'm going to have some conversations for you before too long. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout on the floor, and when we come back, we've got a whole lot more. Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked On Saints podcast. Join the program next. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom live from the 237 Roof Studios. Hopefully you have a great Saturday morning. And we're going to try and pump you up a little bit with, we, we're going to talk a lot of LSU coming up in the top of the 11 o'clock hour. But without a doubt, we need to kind of get down to what's causing all this over in New Orleans, more specifically on Airline Drive with our guy Ross Jackson all Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, what's going on, amigo? Hey, brother. Doing very well, man. Hope you had happy holidays and everything. Always glad to be here, dude. Oh, it was quite good, my man, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But when I start things off, of course, with what everybody's talking about, a wild Friday starting off with Antonio Brown getting a workout with the Saints, him putting up videos on Instagram, deleting them, Putting up new videos with, with Zion Williamson, calling him Zion Williamson. I'm like, I'm like, come on, man, get it right. But also, just more importantly, just the workout in general. What do you think that was all about? Of course, Sean Payton's talking about due diligence. But what is this more preparing for possibly having him in 2020? Yeah, so this is a really interesting thing, right? Because it, you know the the big thing that centers around all of this is that if the Saints were to sign, or really any NFL club were to sign Antonio Brown, it's very likely that he would end up going to the commissioner's exempt list, which would mean that he would be ineligible to play. 
That is our understanding at the moment, at least until his investigation with the NFL is concluded or he's cleared of the current charges for which he faces a civil suit. So if those were to clear or if the investigation were to conclude, then he would not have to be placed on the exempt list. So it's an interesting sort of – the timing is really interesting because you've had all season at this point, essentially with Antonio Brown not on an active roster, hence why he hasn't been placed on the exempt list already. He's already not playing. And so why bring him in now? Is The, the, the timing is really interesting. And so we know right now that the Saints are – at this moment, walking into Sunday's game without, uh, with only four wide receivers on their active roster. Now, there's the potential that they'll elevate some money from the practice squad still, of course. Uh, but right now, they've only got four active wide receivers. So, makes sense. Um, the reason why Sean Payton said that they were bringing a guy like Antonio Brown in, as well as five other wide receivers, is that they're doing, as you mentioned, their due diligence and trying to make sure that they have, you know, sort of a backlog of players in case they get you know hit with some injury at the wide receiver position during the playoffs. Sure, great. But the timing is just really interesting here. And if you're going to be sort of just updating your backlog, why bring in a guy that's going to cause so much of a stir and bring so much national attention as Antonio Brown? So it's an interesting kind of move for the Saints to do this because they are kind of calling a league's hand in a way because if they end up signing them, the league has to make a choice. Either you let Antonio Brown play for the Saints or you end up suspending him and having to pay him as the Saints play throughout the playoffs. And so there's an interesting sort of back and forth here between Sean Payton, the, the, the New Orleans Saints, and the league. And the timing is very, very interesting. It's, it's just crazy to see that the Saints are kind of swinging big to try and like, work out a guy like Antonio Brown after kind of saying like earlier in the year, and Sean Payton admittedly admitted he was lying a little bit about it, but I thought that was the most hilarious part, that Sean Payton actually admitted he was lying. Yeah, that was a really, really funny moment. But then, you know, the thing that the thing that struck me about that is that, you know, he tells Cat Terrell, well, I was probably lying to you earlier this season, but that comes after him saying that there was no intent to sign and turn you around at this time, and so that makes me go, well, are you also lying now, you know? Uh, and so it, it was it, it was a really funny moment, but then it kind of gives you pause as well as, so, okay, so what's your actual intent here? Exactly. Talking right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. What is the intention is the million-dollar question, but we'll kind of save that for another day because I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about with that. But I think that one of the other big things that everybody in Saints land was talking about was what happened last night when the NFL unveiled their all-time quarterback list. And for the record, if you missed it, here's the top ten. No, It's no particular order. Sammy Ball, Tom Brady, John Elway, Brett Favre, Otto Graham, Peyton Manning, Dan Reno, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, Johnny Unitas. Notice no Drew Brees in that list. What's up with that? Yeah, so this was something that I talked about this on Lockdown Saints. I did an entire segment about why you should prepare yourself to be disappointed when this list comes out because I knew. I just knew that they were going to snub Drew Brees here. And so, you know, the the reason why I figured that they were going to snub him was because I figured they were going to get cute and you were going to end up with guys like Otto Graham and Roger. No, Roger Starbuck I don't actually have a problem with. But guys like Otto Graham, Sammy Baugh, who, you know, threw 187 touchdowns and 203 interceptions in his career, but also had 31 interceptions because not only was he a quarterback, but he played in, you know, the 1930s, 1940s, whatever it was, and he played not only quarterback, but also cornerback and punter. And so 
I knew that they were going to end up putting these guys that are more historical figures when it comes to the NFL as opposed to guys that are all-time greats because Drew Brees is clearly an all-time great. You're talking about a guy that holds just about every all-time quarterback record that there is outside of playoff records not being named to this list. And it it was something I prepared myself for. It was something that I, I felt was probably going to happen, but it made it no less disappointing. Uh, when it didn't happen, and Drew Brees' name was not on that list because he absolutely deserves to be there. I mean, when you just lock down the the touchdown record, yeah, you, you locked down the passing record last year. How can you not put a guy like that on your list? I mean, you bring up a historical perspective. The guy is a historical perspective. He's broken all these right. records. His names are going to probably be in the record books for quite some time because I don't see any active quarterback right here, right now kind of coming close to that record at this time. I think he's just a guy that's just on another level in terms of having like all the records that you would want and be able to be in consideration for that top 10 list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that he holds the all-time record for completions, passing touchdowns, and passing yardage right now is incredible. I mean, those are the those are the big three, essentially. But then he's also got the most 5,000 yards, the most consecutive 5,000 yards, the most consecutive 4,000 yards, completion percentage. He's got all of these other records as well, and he's still playing is the thing that's wild, is that these records are only going to continue to grow over 76,000 uh, passing yards at this point. He very likely will extend that passing touchdowns record to a pace that no one's going to catch for quite some time. Uh, you know, So there's just certain things here that, you know, if you, I, I like your argument there that if you're gonna give love to some of these other guys because they're quote unquote historical figures, then you have to recognize Drew Brees as a historical figure right now as well. I think without a doubt in my mind, we just look at it, everything that's there. I think that's just the biggest thing. But talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked On Saints podcast, and now we're gonna kind of flip it over, look ahead to what's going on tomorrow afternoon. Saints-Panthers Week 17 matchup. The Panthers have since fired the head coach, Ron Rivera, get the interim head coach in there. What's going to happen? Are we going to see all the starters play for at least three quarters, or is this just or is this, was this just posturing where we expect to see Drew Brees and crew out there for maybe like half that ball game? Because it feels like this is a game where the Saints could have it well in hand. Yeah, I think that that's the key thing. If the Saints can take control of this game the way that they have the ability to, considering you're playing against a team that you know, is down to their third-string starting rookie quarterback, they don't have their top wide receiver, and you know, a, a porous defense and an interim head coach, uh, they should be able to put this game out of hand early enough to be able to start sitting some of their starters toward the late portions of the game. I do think that they do plan to play as many starters as possible. We know that the secondary is banged up. No Eli Apple, no Mar- no uh, Marcus Williams, and no Von Bell. So you're going to see some wacky configurations in the secondary unless these DJ Swearinger is ready to go, in which case it looks a little bit more normal. Uh, but otherwise you're going to end up with P.J. Williams probably back playing uh, free safety with C.J. Gardner-Johnson back at strong safety. And so uh, the Saints, even with that, um, are in really good position to run away with this game. And I think the sooner that they can put it away, the sooner you're going to see some of those starters get rested. Uh, because if they can get out to a big enough lead, probably by the time that you get deep into the third quarter, they're going to have an understanding of, okay, this game is over. And then you start to save some of those guys for the playoffs. Because they're playing proceeding still. I mean, they still need some help. Even if the Saints win this game, they need either San Francisco to lose or Green Bay to lose in order for them to get into one of the top two seeds. 
but there's a good chance that San Francisco does lose traveling to Seattle and having to play against Seattle, or, or rather just having to play against Seattle. Um, so it's not as much of a long shot as, say, the 2010 game was, where the Saints ended up playing a bunch of starters hoping for a long shot victory over on the other side for some help. But it's still pretty much well in hand. So I think you're going to see the starters out there, but I think there's going to be an understanding of once this game is in hand, it's in hand. And who knows, maybe they'll wind up looking at the scoreboard and see, oh, hey, the like the Detroit Lions are getting whipped 55 to nothing, and they're like, you know, we'll just shut it down right. and move on from that. Because I think that's, you just look at the way the playoffs are looking right here, right now. Does it just feel like the Saints are inevitably going to be the three seed? Yeah, it's an unfortunate truth uh, at the moment that they're going to be a 13-3 and team, potentially even a 12-4 and team, playing in a wild card round. Uh, in which case, they would host the Minnesota Vikings and, you know, that, that comes with history, of course, but I do think that the Saints would be well-equipped for that matchup. But the big thing is that the first-round bye is going to be helpful for them in terms of these injuries that, that I mentioned earlier. I mean, you've got some guys that are coming back, which is good. Larry Warford, Andrew Pete, Kiko Alonso all look like they're ready to be back and playing. But Zach Lyons has been dealing with injury toward the late portion of the season. He's questionable. And then those guys in the secondary, Eli Apple, Marcus Williams, and Von Bell, you want to give time for those guys to heal up. You also saw uh, Michael Thomas pop up on the injury report this week with uh, a problem with one of his uh, on his hand. He was wearing a, uh, a brace or a wrap on his hand for most of his, you know, all the social media videos and posts and things like that that you saw throughout over Christmas. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, you want this team to have a week off to kind of rest up and, and, and get healthy. You can always want to want to take a week off. And it just add the fact that you're not going to have to, if you want to somehow get any the number two seed or, number one seed by some miracle of the Detroit Lions actually winning a ball game, and you see the Seattle Seahawks consider all the injuries, injuries they have pull off the sweep against the 49ers, right. that'd be absolutely huge. More because of the fact that, guess what, if you're the three seed, you know where you're going to wind up playing at, right? You're going to be playing in freaking Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's the part that really, really kind of stinks about all of it, is that you know if you end up the number three seed, then you have the potential to travel against two different opponents who would end up being the number one seed. So however that would fall out, well, that would end up falling out being the uh, the Green Bay Packers or the San Francisco 49ers. And so, I mean, in that case, I think you'd probably rather go to Santa Clara than you'd rather go to Lambeau, of course, uh, for that NFC Championship game. But if the Saints can end up being the number two seed, then it gives them the opportunity to where the only possible team that they would have to travel against would be the number one seed, which would be, in this case, the Green Bay Packers. Or the uh, No, that would be uh, the Green Bay Packers uh, or the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And so it's, uh, you know, you're trying to kind of hope for the luck of the draw here to where you end up with that number two seed. But if you end up with the number three seed, then you're probably very likely going to have to travel to Lambeau and you probably you don't really want to do that uh, for the NFC Championship game. And this team with New Orleans has actually been really good on the road this year and last year. They're both 7-1. and one. They've actually won more games on the road than they have at home over recent years. So they've been really, they've been a very good traveling team. And of course, they still carry the reputation of not because that's what the, the general consensus is. But when you actually look at the games that they've played and the way that they've played away from home, Actually, a pretty good road team right now, but even but you have to be better than a pretty good road team to go to Lambeau in a playoff environment in the winter, deep in the winter in January, and win a game. And Ross, before I let you go, uh, we talked about the holidays. I had a great holiday season, and I actually wound up being able to catch Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Have you seen it yet? Oh, I haven't actually gotten to see it yet. Oh, damn. I was about to ask you what you thought about it. So, you know what? We'll, I'm so sorry. Well, you know what, Ross? <laughs> Just go check it out before the wild card round, and I'll talk to you about it then, all right? 
That sounds very good, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, will absolutely uh, check it out. I'm very excited for it, though. All right, Ross. I appreciate you coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, my brother. You take care. All right, that was Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked on Saints podcast. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. And we got just enough time for one more take. And we go set it off. Coming up next on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Every time CD takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Before we go back to uh, sports talk for a minute, I just kind of got this text from a friend of mine who was in the area that apparently there's a plane crash. Oh, it was a, it's a small plane near the intersection of Verout School Road and Faux Filet Road. No other details available right now. So if you're heading around that area, make sure you kind of proceed with some caution because obviously they're trying to clean up the debris and everything else in between. But definitely a wild kind of start to your Saturday morning if you're going to be over in that area. But, of course, the big reason why we're on from 9 to 10 a.m., an hour long, is because our guy RP3 of RP3 and Company is out in the ATL right now. We don't have him aboard the ARCO Equipment Hotline. We have him live from Atlanta, and it's going to be clear as a whistle. What's going on, brother? Good morning, CD. How are you, brother? Are, are you upset with me because I'm eating into your under-the-dome time? I feel like maybe I need to bring you some chick-fil-a biscuits or something back uh, from atlanta is, is that would, would that help uh, uh smooth things over <laughs> would that help smooth things over trust me i'm more than willing to give up the time for something like this because this only happens what once every like seven eight years for lsu yeah it's been a long time at the 2011 season uh, lsu won the sec championship undefeated uh, they were favored remember that was a year that they went into tuscaloosa and uh, won the 9-6 game versus the Crimson Tide, and then everything kind of got derailed after that. They lost the national championship game to Alabama. Then they had the longstanding streak, and everything kind of went sideways for Les Miles and his staff. But credit Ed Orgeron, he has them back. They're playing with energy. A lot of great things happened along the way as well, too, right? They That first year for Ed O was, was a rough one. Uh, the loss to Troy, uh, the loss to Mississippi State. They stayed with them. The The players didn't give up, and they ended it with that bowl victory over Louisville. And that kind of propelled them until last season. And last season they were able to get Joe Burrow, who was huge. And they've been killing it at recruiting. So everything's really kind of come together for LSU. And, C.D., let me tell you, the folks here in Atlanta, it's a lot of purple and gold. Everywhere I look is purple and gold around Centennial Park, around the College Football Hall of Fame. At the hotels, it doesn't matter. Lots of LSU fans are here in Atlanta. I mean, when you have beer running out in Atlanta, you know there's purple and gold contingency abound over there because that's all I've heard is beer running out, like bottled beer running out at 5 o'clock on Friday, less than 24 hours away from kickoff. That is unreal. Yes, and it happened before 5 o'clock the day before the ball game. Now, thankfully... 
the team hotel did have a uh, another emergency order shipped in for the LSU fans uh, there. But man, they they have absolutely painted the town purple and gold here, and 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 it's, and it's just a difference in the fan base. That's the other thing that I've really noticed. CD is LSU fans are joyful and just amped up and they are enjoying the moment they feel that they're going to win they feel that they're going to win big but they're enjoying this moment the Oklahoma fan base they seem to be very reserved and almost resigned to the fact that they're going to lose and that this is just essentially a little mini vacation to Atlanta it's uh, definitely a, a tale of two different fan bases here so far this week and you know, Ray, I mean, just thinking about everything that's going on, and I've been hearing a lot of stories about the media hospitality. So my question to you is, I know you were out there on the final day before the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Did anybody puke in the urinal again? No, no, not that I am aware of, thankfully. No, everything has been kind of been kind of copacetic. Now, uh, at our hotel, uh, things were getting a little uh, rowdy. I'll tell you this. The hotel that we're staying at, CD, there was a line when we left to go out to the big media uh, event that they had last night. There was a line snaked around the entire huge lobby of our hotel just to check in. And, you know, we, we came Thursday. It was a ghost town. Yesterday, it was that way. When we got back from the media event last night, there was still a line of people to check in. It is absolute craziness around here. But I have not seen any... Um, Animal House-esque shenanigans, but I sure, I, I, I can guarantee you they are going on. There's maybe behind closed doors. Exactly. Thankfully, Brody Miller's been there to tweet it all about it. But, Ray, we're going to have you on in a few minutes, so I'm going to let you, let you go, and then we'll have you on in a few minutes, brother. Thanks, CD. All right, guys, we are about wrapped up here. The fastest hour in all sports talking. It felt like it was a half hour, not a full hour. But we're out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Keep it live right here, of course. RP3 live from Atlanta. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Show it over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.